This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I am Janice Leibovitz and this is People of the Book. My guest today is Ingrid Lomas and we're going to be talking about her book, Alone, Together, Loved, Forever. Ingrid, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Janice. I'm delighted to be here. And thank you so much for giving me your time. We did have a couple of setbacks, delays, postponements. <laughs> so I really do appreciate you giving me your time today. Um, Ingrid, just to give um, my listeners some background, you began your writing career in advertising. First as a copywriter, you moved on to be a creative director. But back then it was all pretty much, um, if uh, the impression I got was that it was all quite lacklustre. And then you moved into something that fascinated me, medical tourism, offering cosmetic surgery to those seeking a good life through beauty. But all along, you yourself weren't actually sure what that good life really is until the day that it dawned on you. And tell me a bit about the title of the book. The title of the book fascinates me, Alone, Together, Loved, Forever. Tell me as a brief introduction about that title. Well, the alone part is, I think, something we can like all identify with, um, that feeling of aloneness and not quite connecting to the world, um, even uh, more intensely in big crowds of people. Um, and the together is the, um, uh, the awakening, which refers to me becoming a more together person, um, which resulted in me being loved, discovering true love and, um, a true love that I will experience forever. I think in a nutshell, I hope I've uh, covered everything. That. That's amazing. That's, that's an incredible. It's amazing how you've linked all four of those. And I love that because that really explains it very um, succinctly. I, I really like that. But um, I, I also, there's many things that are incredible about this book, but it really draws your reader in um, and it makes them part of the world, a part of your world from before you were even born. And I have to ask you, those memories, are they real? Is it something you've created? Is it a fiction? Is it a dream world? Explain that to me. My book, as you say, starts uh, before my birth. It, it, it starts in my mother's womb. And um, I um, based um, what I wrote on um, what I'd heard my mother discussing with friends and family and my grandmother discussing with friends and family about the terrible birth my mother had uh, giving birth to me. And um, strangely enough, from a very uh, small child, I suppose, from first developing consciousness about being around, I had this terrible feeling of being squashed and squeezed. And I think it was 
the fact that every time I was ready to pop into the world, the nurse or the sister in charge of the ward who was waiting for uh, the gynecologist to arrive um, made my mother inhale to draw me back in again. So it was, I can quite understand why it was so painful for her, but it was equally painful for me. And it's very strange that from a very little little child, I I felt that that squeezing, that squashed sensation in my body. But the actual um, the actual words that I use in the first uh, chapter, which is when I'm in my mother's womb, is based um, on what I'd heard in discussions amongst the family, primarily from my mother, who never actually got over this terrible birth. Um, and I think she kind of um, held it against me. <laughs> and you are an only child. Uh, and, well, she made it quite clear that she would not be <laughs> indulging in this uh, this awful experience for a second time. Um but, uh, you know, Janice, as I progress through the book, you'll know because you've read it, I believe that we draw everyone into our lives to experience um, events and a lifetime of events, in fact. And so uh, whatever I experienced with my mother, my grandmother, my ex-husband uh, and various other people, main, main role players in my life, um I am grateful to them all in retrospect because I learned amazing lessons from all of them. And we do, and do most draw the people in and, and we do attract the people that we need in our lives. I'm yes. Janice Leibovitz. You are listening to People of the Book. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. This is People of the Book, and I'm back with my guest, Ingrid Lomas. We are talking about her book, Alone Together, Loved Forever. And Ingrid, before the break, we were talking about your mother's birth experience when she gave birth to you. I'm very interested to know why you never refer to your parents as mom, dad. You refer to them as as Shirley and Bill throughout the book. Um, except for a certain um, instance, I'm not going to say when. I'd like my listener to buy the book and read it so they can discover when you refer to your mother as, as mom. Why is that? Did you actually call them Shirley and Bill throughout your life? You never called them mom and dad, or is that just for the purposes of this book? No, uh, when I refer to them, I refer to them as Shirley and Bill. But when I address them, I address them as mommy and daddy. I'm interested to know that because why did you choose that method of writing? Is that that to to make them? I'm just interested to know why you chose to do that. I guess they were referred to as Bill and Shirley by everyone. And um, it made it um, more real for me to address them as such. Um, Also, we weren't very close. We weren't particularly close. I was very close to my grandmother, and I became close to my father um, in the last year of his life. But I don't actually refer to that in the book because, quite frankly, I couldn't put everything sure. in this book. But um, that's why, I guess, they were always referred to as Shirley and Bill. And, you know, people would say Shirley and Bill this and that and the other, and I would say, yes, that's, those are they. They are Shirley. <laughs> I 
together. So I hear you. I, it makes perfect sense. But talk to me firstly about from a very young age, you speak in your book about that feeling of never quite fitting in. And you understood that very, very early on. You know, little kids seem to always know what they're supposed to do, where they're supposed to go. They know the roles they're supposed to play. And from a very early age, I mean, there was an incident that you, you talk about with your, your mother had very definite plans for you. She had very definite behaviors that she wanted you to, to, you know, she wanted you to behave in a certain way. Whereas your grandmother, who, as you said, you were extremely close to, she was more into the self-expression. She was very much more prone to, to let you behave as you wanted to and for you to be a free spirit and for you to do as you wished. And there's an incident that you describe in the book where your mother was forcing you to take singing lessons, which you absolutely hated. And they couldn't, your mother just couldn't understand, well, why didn't you want to take these singing lessons? And when your father, who was more, more diplomatic in his approach towards you, whereas your mother sounded more like um, the bull in the china shop approach, and he tried to sit you down and try and get you to explain, well, why did you not want to go to singing lessons? And you said you would just prefer to be happy. And you know, they were baffled. Well, they couldn't equate the two. How does being happy and, and not going to sing lessons, well, what, what was wrong? And you, you say very clearly that you just didn't know how to play your part and what the nature was of the role that was expected of you. But I'm quite fascinated because you say that your awakening and enlightenment came so much later in life. And to me, it's so clear that it came so early in life. Explain this to me. No, I think we all, if um, depending on our involvement, I suppose, you know, we uh, I believe in um, reincarnation. So I believe we've been here many times. We've learned many lessons. And some of us are only here for a very short while uh, because we are so evolved. That is not me. Um, I'm still here. Me too. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I had an aunt, though, who I refer to in the book as well, who died at the age of eight. She was yes. very spiritually evolved. Um, but I think... Uh, if we are open to life and experiences, even from a very early age, we can explore our inner spirit, which is inner knowing, and that will prompt us to say things like, I just want to be happy, and not actually know what that really means in a deep uh, intellectual way, but um just in a in a superficial childlike way, I don't you see conducted by my mother. <laughs> my mother um, uh, was a soprano, and she also had dabbled in uh, being a concert pianist for a very short while. She, my mother was very insecure and very very talented, but very insecure. So she um, didn't actually live uh, her potential, but she then tried to live it through me, as many mothers do. And I think she decided from an early age that she would um, school me in having a good voice. But of course, as we all know, and she should have known too, you either have that or you don't. And I don't think I had that talent. So she was trying desperately to to teach me... (laughs) Not really something you can teach. No, no. 
She was trying to improve on on a poor product by giving me lessons to uh, improve uh, the quality of my voice. And, of course, you know, she was a harsh teacher in, in every way. So I didn't look forward to these uh, get-togethers to, to be taught singing at all. And they were the, completely <laughs> the antithesis of, uh, of being happy. <laughs> and also at that particular time in my life, um, we had moved away. We had been staying with my grandparents. And uh, we moved away to our own house, and I missed my grandmother terribly, and that made me feel very alone anyway. Um, so the, the singing lessons just were grist to the mill. They, <laughs> they made me feel desperately alone in that scenario. I hope that kind of yeah. answers it. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But... um. You know, obviously at such a young age, as you, you describe, you didn't realize that you had freedom of choice, as we don't at such a young age. No, and, no. Yeah. You, you um, that, that is something we it would be unusual. I mean, Beethoven knew how to play amazing pieces at the age of two, but he was rather exceptional. Most of us don't have that awareness at such a young age or even at four or five. But obviously, we, you know, if we open again, as I say, if we open to our inner spirit uh, guiding us and showing us the way, we can start learning things sooner rather than later. It might not result in us having an awakening at that young age, in the true sense of the word, my awakening only happened um, a couple of years ago, my full awakening. But I have, because I've been interested in the spiritual realm since I was very young, say about 12, 13, I suppose. And because of that interest, well, actually, no, let me correct that. I was interested in religion at that point. Um I was interested in how religion worked, and I was baffled by all the many religions in the world and how they all seem to be fighting with one another. So I did start exploring uh, an interest in religion very young, and then it developed into the spiritual realm. But because of being interested in these things, um, I think I, I discovered things like freedom of choice and those um, associated things at um, quite an early age. We're going to get a little bit deeper into that shortly. This is People of the Book. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. You're listening to Janice Liebowitz and this is People of the Book. Today I am chatting to Ingrid Lomas. And we are talking about her book, Alone, Together, Loved, Forever. And if you want to discover things like your own awakening and enlightenment, discovering yourself, I suggest you go and buy this book. We're going to let you know shortly where it's available. We're also going to give you some exciting news about a live launch that you can attend and you can meet Ingrid by the book. And I'm sure if you ask very nicely, she'll sign it for you. Ingrid? 
before the break, we were talking about how you discovered religion and that you started investigating all different types of religion, spiritual, spirituality, things like that. But then later on, I think those things let you down, if I understand it correctly, and you rejected all religions and you rejected God as well, did you not? Yes, my foray into examining various religions left me feeling that uh, confused about the number of them and how many points of view there were and how everyone thought there was the best. I was christened an Anglican and I went to a convent. And when I was at the convent, I became very enamored with Catholicism. And we had two sides of the hall. We had the Catholic side and we had everyone else on the other side. And I quickly moved to the Catholic side because I loved the Hail Marys and, and I just loved the prayers and, and the, the ritual, rituals. Ritual, yes. The rituals and the, the, the holy water. And I used to walk around. I had a favorite nun who I used to hold on to her rosary and bug this poor woman to death. I think she must have. Holding her rosary as she walked. I mean, it was really, I became a bit obsessed with it all. But I don't know. I mean, a sense of security, possibly. Yes, a feeling of belonging, I suppose. Yes. Strangely, my grandmother, who, uh, when she, when she got to hear of this, she was totally not happy and said, look, you know, we're Anglicans. I mean, this is ridiculous. She might have to leave that school. And anyway, I didn't, but I outgrew that. I really thereafter read a lot about different religions, mainly to attack them, mainly to arm myself with arrows and darts that I could throw, I could introduce into the conversation and uh, show my disapproval of all the all the religions, but hoping that people would um, fight back and and persuade me um, that uh, their religion was the right religion, which is kind of weird. But anyway, that's the way it was. And um, then I discovered the spiritual realm. And uh, that appealed to me more because it was non-denominational. And it was... It just resonated with me, and I started reading every spiritual book I could lay my hands on, attending uh, countless, countless, countless spiritual workshops in my pursuit for total enlightenment. It became at the time, a bit of a drag, At the time, when your grandmother was so adamantly against your attraction, to to being a Catholic and the way you follow this nun around, you didn't know that back in the day when your mother was so young and she had lost a sister, you didn't know about your grandmother's own connection to spiritualism, spirituality, about the seances they had held at their home. And um, you didn't know anything about that. And they, they didn't really share it with you. Your grandmother chose not to share it with you at the time either in a way to guide you either. She didn't, uh, try and help you in your search for meaning really and uh when you discovered that i mean it was it was quite fascinating to you and when did you actually find out about your your mother did you know from an early age that your mother had lost the sister at such a young age because it does only come out further on in the book for me that was like oh my gosh it was like really a, a, a like wow moment like why are you only telling me this now <laughs> It, it just it told me so much about about your mom. It just said so mm. much about 
why she was the way she was. And it said so much about her. And I'm like, I wanted to know this earlier. You know, I wanted to say, well, didn't you want to know that earlier? But did you know that earlier? I did know. She had mentioned it uh, when I was a child, I suppose, a child of about 10, 11. She had, um, I'd found photos of uh, Elsa. Asked her about Elsa, and then she told me all about Elsa. Well, not all, but she told me that she Elsa was her sister who died at the age of eight. While all these um, surgeons and doctors uh, argued about what was wrong with her, and she actually died of causes unknown. And I, I believe she did just just uh, this was her exit. She she came for a short while because she knew so much. So she didn't have to linger longer. And that's why it was a bit baffling to them what was actually wrong with her. So my mother did share that with me. And then as I got older, I started asking her more about Elsa. And then it came out about her unhappy childhood, playing second fiddle to childhood passed on, and um, how she spent uh, a lot of time with my grandmother um, at Elsa's uh, graveside, um, while my grandmother wept about her loss. Um, and, um, and various other things came to light, you know, aunts and whatever would refer to Elsa. And then I would, you know, as I got older, I would ask more questions about Elsa and uh, what she meant in their lives. And, um, and then it came out, of course, that she was extremely spiritual and um, had touched everyone's life. And, um, but by the same token, uh, my mother's life had played second fiddle to hers, um, for many, many years. Until my grandmother, I think, woke up to the fact that, um, uh, that she had another child. They then became very close. But I think my mother was about, uh, about 16 or 17 when that happened. I think what brought them together is that my grandfather, my papa grandfather, he died when my mother was 17. He was also involved with the seances and the attempts to reconnect with Elsa. They were both involved with that for many years. And I think when, you know, when he died, it brought, it brought my mother and my grandmother close, even closer together. Um, uh, but I wanted to, I, I wanted to give a true account of my relationship with my mother, how I experienced it from, from the womb, right the way through, um, through my life with her until her death. And I wanted to, I, I wanted to be totally truthful about the relationship I had with her. And then thereafter, I wanted to make sure that everyone was aware that I was aware why uh, why she behaved the way she was because she too had an unhappy childhood which molded her as much as mine molded me i just was have been fortunate i think to um to be interested in the spirit, spiritual realm and to have had an awakening which has liberated me and my mother never had yes. unfortunately Absolutely. And before we chatted um, on air, you asked if I enjoyed the book. And I said, what I wanted to say to you during our interview is what I liked most about the book is that it is blatantly 
honest. And many of these books that are written, these memoir type books, sugarcoat things. And you have not sugarcoated anything. And writing about one's relationship with one's mother can be ugly and it can be dark and it, it shows it shows us in our relationships at our most raw and our most damaged and we want to we want to sugarcoat that we want to cover that over we want to make it look pretty and we want to hide that that damaged past and you haven't done that and that's what I love most about this book. And, and I think that that is what your reader is going to appreciate. Well, that's what I hope your reader is going to appreciate the most about this book. Because what is the point of reading a book that is not honest about what it sets out to do? That is exactly what you've done, that you sat down to do this. You wanted to write about your relationship. You wanted to write about the fact that you understand now why your relationship is as it was, why your mother was as she was. And I think we can all agree she did the best she could. Mm -hmm. And she, as you say, you have been lucky to have that awakening. And unfortunately, she wasn't able to reach that point. Yes, but that's you true. Have, but you have. And you say in the book, and, and I mean, right at the end, when you are ready... When you are ready, it doesn't come to you. Like, like you say, you, you happen to have come home from a party. You weren't feeling the happiest. You weren't feeling great. You looked at an email. You clicked on a link that you thought was going to be some nonsense mumbo jumbo. But the fact that you were ready to receive it at that point, to receive that message at that point made all the difference. If you're not ready, you're not going to receive that awakening. You're not going to be ready for that message. You were. Yes. Yes. It was, um, it was a fortuitous happening. And, um, it was also, I was so ready uh, to understand it because messages, I have been reading messages like that, um, um, in books and, um, by way of workshops and all other means for years. And um, I didn't, I understood everything that was said on an intellectual level, but not on a heart level, um, because um, everything that we really understand comes from our feelings. It doesn't come from our head. It comes from our heart. Absolutely. And I was just ready to receive at that moment in time. Absolutely, like you say, like you say, reading something and understanding it on an intellectual level is great. Attending a workshop and listening and taking it in, that's lovely. But if you're not ready to actually receive the message on the level that you are meant to receive it, I'm not saying it's a waste of time. Nothing is a waste of time. If you listen to right. it and you've heard it and it's, it's, it's gone in on that intellectual, it's not a waste of time, but like we've just said, when you are ready to receive that message on the level that it's meant to receive and you have that light bulb moment and you have that awakening and your enlightenment comes to you, it is life-changing. Yes, it is indeed. And you can attest to Wonderful. that. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, yes. that's exactly what, that, that's what is going to change lives for people who read this book.
I hope so. Um, I look, uh, I look so forward to sharing it with everyone. And, um, if I can assist, um, in some small way to, um, create awareness for a beautiful, more loving life for others, then I would love to do that as well. I mean, it's, it's not only that. I mean, you, you give, you don't only speak about that throughout the book. I mean, it's not only about, um, your aha moment. It's not only about, I mean, you, yeah, no. the book is predominantly <laughs> about your relationships. It's, a, it's about your relationship with your mother, but you do, you talk about how those who, who you meet throughout your life, who become your teachers. And I'm not talking about teachers at school. I'm talking about everyone mm. who you meet is a teacher in some way and how yeah. as we growing up and through our formative years um, and our developmental years, you you start to accept different beliefs about yourself and unfortunately they're usually unfavorable beliefs about ourselves and mm-hmm. it feeds into our value system and yes. before we we hopefully grow out of understanding those beliefs and understand that that we need to inform ourselves of our own value system and understand what we value we need to start believing in ourselves Mm-hmm. And you talk about that throughout the book as well. So it's not only, this is not a book about, oh, Ingrid's relationship with her mother, surely. It's not, it's not just a book about that. It's a book about many things. Isn't it's it? a book about many things. This is, you know, what is, what does Shrek say? It's got layers. It's got layers. <laughs> it's, it's about, this is going to teach you many, many things. So please, go and buy the book. We're going to take a break and then we're going to tell you where you can buy the book. You are listening to People of the Book. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I'm Janice Leibovitz and you're listening to People of the Book. I'm talking to Ingrid Lomas and we've been talking about her book Alone Together Loved Forever. And Eva Mazza, who wrote a very well-known book that, that did so well, uh, Sex, Lies, and Stellenbosch, she describes right. it as a spiritual, emotional, and entertaining tale of discovery. Eva, you summed it up so brilliantly. Um, and if Eva says it, I believe it. And I don't have to listen to Eva, although I do, but because I read yeah. it myself. But yes, Eva said it. Yes. Right. <laughs> English, and I'm very... Very yeah, grateful I, I, for her input as well. Yeah, I mean, an endorsement from, from Eva Mazza is like, hello, you've arrived. <laughs> Ingrid, where is the book available? Janice is available now in all leading bookstores throughout the country. It's also available online at an absolute listening of different outlets, mainly I suppose. <laughs> Mainly, I suppose, would be of interest to your listeners would be Amazon and Take a Lot. <laughs> so it, it is readily available and waiting for you wherever so, you are. So when we say Amazon, it, so, so listen, no excuses, no excuses. Books available everywhere. <laughs> when you say Amazon, is this available as an ebook as well or just it a, is. a, a it hard is. copy book? Oh, an ebook as well. Brilliant. Correct. Tell me about your live launch. It's very exciting that live book launches are back. Tell me about your live launch that is coming up um, at the beginning of February. 
Yes, it is very exciting. And um, because uh, my book is predominantly about love, we've linked it to Valentine's Day. And we are having, um, which I hope will be an amazing uh, book launch at Melrose Arch, uh, exclusive books, Melrose Arch. And I'm going to be in conversation with Jenny Cruz Williams. She is actually going to be interviewing me. Wow. Which is so amazing as that well. That is incredible. Um, I'm really, um, so, um, inspired by that. I'm inspired so much to have, um, the interest in my book shown by, um, Eva Matza and, uh, Jenny Cruz Williams. I'm really um, so excited about that, and it's going to be done on the 10th, 10th of February, um, which is a Thursday, and it's just prior to Valentine's Day, which, as you know, is on the 14th, and then we have the weekend in between. Nobody goes to book launches on Friday night or Saturday or yeah. Sunday. No, or Monday. <laughs> <definitely> not Monday. <laughs> No, they so don't. That's, so that's why we are doing ours on the 10th, which is Thursday preceding Valentine's Day, uh, which will also give everybody who attends or listens to the recording, I'm hoping to have a recording of it made, um, will be able to avail themselves of a book for the for the someone special in their lives, um, because I believe that um, to give this book as a Valentine's gift is a demonstration of giving your true love to somebody. That's how I look at it. I fully agree. And I mean, not only that, but to give someone a signed copy of a book is the ultimate, the, the ultimate gift. Yes. Yes. Um, well, I hope so. Well, I think <laughs> that's so. how I, I, I would see it too. But <laughs> well, that's how I. Uh, um, I'm also planning to do um, online talks on the subject matter of the book in future. Corporate presentations, um, which I think links links very well to the message of love and togetherness that I would love the country as a whole to experience. Uh, it's time for us to all put the past behind us and start demonstrating love for each other. Fully agree with you, Ingrid. I fully, fully agree with you. And I just have to say, it is time for us to fully get behind our South African authors. Go to local book launches. There are so many more of them that are happening now. Thank goodness we are finally back to live book launches. I mean, is there anything better than meeting an author in the flesh, chatting to them, listening to them, going to a, a live launch, seeing an interview happening right in front of you, being able to get a signed copy of a book. I mean, it's it's an amazing experience, really it is. And we have amazing authors in our country. We have amazing local South African books. Um, I know people love the, the political books, the business books, the leadership books, but there's also fantastic fiction that we have, and we really need to get behind that. I'm not putting down the international stuff that we get. Obviously, that's amazing. 
but we need to support our own. So please, please get behind that. If you see a local event happening, try and attend. They really are great. So, Ingrid, it has been fantastic chatting to you today. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. I've really loved speaking to you. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a privilege. And I really wish you the best of luck going forward with all of this. It sounds like you have lots of exciting stuff planned for the future. So I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much, Janice. And um, just look forward to seeing as many of your listeners as possible at Melrose Arch Exclusive Books on the 10th of February. I really, really hope so. And if you're listening, like I always tell you, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Wear a mask. Get vaccinated. Get boosted if you're able to. And read a book.